Welcome, everyone. So are you tired of the same old ways of seeing things? Well, you've come to the right place. Here, we cut through the world of surface appearances and look for the light that's rare in the depths. Here, we dive into the dark waters where strange creatures move. Here we're free to be that foolish knight who lunges at windmills and who lights up the world with his magical vision. It's all too much, says George Harrison. Now that's true, but all the more reason to jump into it and intoxicate yourself with life's infinite profusion. After all, you don't discover new lands by sticking close to the shore, do you? This is the wisdom of. And coming up, the big soul Tolstoy and his great work, The Death of Ivan Illich. I've had the good fortune of interacting with uh, a great deal of Koreans in my life. I won't say why. I kind of want to cultivate a slight air of mystery in my otherwise boring life. But I have. One thing I've asked a lot of Koreans is whether they've heard of a show called MASH, a mega popular show from the 1970s and 80s that might very well have been the most popular show ever, and it was set in Korea during the war. To a person, none of them have heard of it, never mind seen any of it. But it's pretty old, so I get it. But then I had a thought about, you know, shows of the 90s. I thought of two extremely popular shows. You've got, on one hand, Friends, and on the other hand, Seinfeld. Turns out Friends was slash is massively popular in Korea and Seinfeld was absolutely nothing, a complete non-factor. So from an American point of view, we have two peers, both massively popular, but only one gets all the Korean attention. It was starting to feel like this for us when the way we were treating Dostoevsky and Tolstoy. In a way, Fyodor was seeming to get all the love, and poor Leo was as welcome in these parts as Uncle Leo was in Seinfeld. Today's episode is maybe one step towards rectifying that imbalance. Yeah, four episodes on Dostoevsky, and only one until now on Tolstoy. So, I think uh, Tolstoy is definitely due. And uh, since you brought them both up, so here's something interesting. Apparently, well... While Dostoevsky was greatly interested in Tolstoy's works, Tolstoy was, well, always completely indifferent to Dostoevsky. I wonder what that was about, and what it says about Tolstoy. Anyway, oh, oh wait, uh, actually I do have one more comment about something you said. So, how does talking to people of different nationalities make you mysterious? I don't, I don't get it. Okay, well, let's move on. So, First, and as usual, a brief summary. Okay, so The Death of Ivan Illich was written by the great Russian writer Leo Tolstoy 
and it was published in 1886. The story is about Ivan, Anna, an inauthentic, upper-class individual who learns that he's dying from a, a terminal disease. So, the basic theme of the book is the inevitable confrontation of, of a human being with his or her own mortality. The, the, the coming to grips with the certainty that our lives will end. Something of um, inescapable interest to all of us, I would think. Along with his uh, earlier works, War and Peace and Anna Karenina, the death of Ivan Illich is regarded as one of the great masterpieces of world literature. Uh, you too. It's weird to say this about arguably one of the most popular bands of all time, but it feels like sometimes you and I are the only people who actually like them. There's the old joke about them that if you know a little bit about music, you think they're great. If you know a lot about music, you think they're utter garbage. That said, we really only rate them during a relatively teeny tiny window of their career that this career that they've had just insists on its own continued existence. In their first decade, amidst some admittedly great songs, U2 was a bit of a humorless slog, painfully sincere seeming, all of this peaking with uh, their, their movie Rattle and Hum, a documentary that was cringier than anything Ricky Gervais could ever dream of. It was so joyless that I actually found it hilarious. But it all changed when Bono got one of those word-of-the-day calendars from The Edge. When Bono got to the word irony, he scratched his head, read the definition, read it again, and ultimately the band was changed, sadly not forever, but for a little bit. We got Octung Baby and Zeropa, their ultimate albums from our point of view. It didn't kill their sincerity, but they ended up wrapping it in a layer of insincerity that made them so compelling, at least to us. I doubt Tolstoy would have been a fan of their transition, though. I have a feeling that insincerity doesn't rate too highly in his book, or specifically in this book. Uh, yeah, you know, something tells me that if um, if he were alive today, Tolstoy would prefer the old U2, or even the, the U2 of today, much more than he would the, the great Akhtang baby era, for sure. Actually, you know, wait a sec. Based on his own um, Puritan and, and moralistic view of art, I'm not even sure he'd like any music or art today, unless it had something to do with a pair of peasant boots. But yeah, to, to get back to your point, the life of insincerity is something Tolstoy makes central in the death of Ivan Illich. Okay, so what's going on with this exactly? Well, let's look at Ivan and his context. Okay, so Ivan is meant to represent and belong to that, that prosperous and privileged class of the latter part of the 19th century in Russia. Now, Tolstoy hated this society. He believed that this amounted to a kind of corrupt form of civilization, or a kind of sham society, because everyone there was concerned with uh, the material, and with reputation, and with um, social decorum. There was a, a falseness and a superficiality to everything. And that includes Ivan. That is, because of this fake society, he's an inauthentic person. So, it's Ivan's inauthentic social milieu 
that produces his inauthentic character and life. Okay, now the problem with being insincere and being caught up with perception and all of that stuff is that it's living on the surface of life. And that in turn means to to live without deep and, and genuine feelings. It means to live without profound experiences in your inner life. And what does this do? Well, it not only cuts you off from knowing your your true self, but it also keeps you in, in isolation from others. It keeps you from forging genuine connection with people. It keeps you from truly loving. I mean, that's why when Ivan was dying, he was all alone and so fearful of death despite being surrounded by by numerous acquaintances and relations. And even those around him on his deathbed, they still kept up the decorum. And so, because of this, they also failed to show genuine compassion and love for Ivan. I guess the point here is that when you live for yourself alone, and when that life is is a superficial and a fake one, then even though you might be near people, You're never in real community with them. And nowhere is that going to be revealed more than when the time comes for your own death. I mean, whether you want to or not, death will compel you to review your life. And, if only for a small moment, to gain consciousness of real existence. Okay, well, given all this, I think Tolstoy's greater message here is that We must learn to to stop living so individualistically and so self-centeredly. Actually, this is what the young peasant boy who, who visits Ivan on his deathbed teaches him. I mean, it's really important to see that this young boy is just a peasant. And so he knows nothing of civilized life. And that's significant because it means he knows nothing of the of the pretenses of such a life. So therefore. There's no greed. There's no artifice in him. And because of this, the boy understands that he's just a small part of nature. He understands that he's not exceptional. And so he understands he's not immortal. Now, that's the connection that Ivan failed to see. That the cultivation of love and humility in one's life means the graceful acceptance of one's mortality. Life, of course, is a, a collection of experiences. It could be argued that a good life is one full of many varied experiences. I know in the beginning, the intro of this episode, I said that I've had a, a boring life, but that's not exactly true. For example, I've totally held hands with a lady. I've been on an aeroplane that has taken me all the way to not one, not two, but three countries in Europe. And I have watched a heroic amount of utter like prestige TV, like the primo stuff. But I guess the ultimate, the one thing that we can only experience at, you know, once is death. The coward in me hopes for the kind of cliched good death, dying in my sleep. But there are moments when the valiant part of me comes out, perhaps after a real adrenalized, invigorating hand-holding session with my special lady, 
part of me wants to add to the experience of death to that list, not simply sleep through it. I guess that could be viewed as some kind of gift, if we can call it that, the gift of a, of a looming death, a, a death that you can kind of see coming. Yeah, although nothing might top dying in your sleep, you are right. There is something possibly enlightening about knowing that your death is coming soon, and of being conscious of that process. And I think that that's definitely something like Tolstoy's view. At least that seems to be what's being expressed in the story of the death of Ivan Illich. Okay, so where do I start with this? This, uh, this theme of death in the novel, and in Tolstoy in general. I mean, he doesn't shy away from it, that's for sure. Was it, uh, I think it was Thomas Mann who said, who said of Tolstoy that no other great master of literature felt and depicted death as often as he did, that it just um, dominates his thoughts and his writings. Well, okay, so for Tolstoy, I think we can say that death is, well, it's a kind of rebirth. That's to say, death, or more precisely, the acknowledgement of one's impending death, or, or the acceptance of one's finitude, is really the entrance or gateway into a new world. Now, this new world isn't an afterlife, as you might think, but it's a kind of spiritual awakening to this life, however little of it one may have left. It's all of a sudden to see life free from the material, and all the selfishness and ego associated with it. It's finally to to let go of all of that, and to become more authentic and connected with ourselves and others. It's to uh, stop seeing the world as a game, or as some um, petty drama that's there for our entertainment. And it's to see others in it not as as self-serving objects to further our own ends, but instead it's to see them as fragile spiritual companions in the same predicament as us. Okay, so notice something important here with all of this. Namely, it seems that for Tolstoy, to have the true good and spiritual life means pretty much giving up the material life. In other words, the possession of one is dependent on the loss of the other. Now, why is this exactly? Well, I already hinted at it. But what Tolstoy seems to hold is a kind of dual account of human nature. That is, there's the physical or animal part of us, and then there's the spiritual. And what he seems to think is that the the animal part of us holds us back in important ways from from living the good and authentic life. It um, tethers us to our egos, which prevents us from seeing things properly. Actually, you know what? This sort of reminds me of something that Plato says. So, in the Republic, Plato talks about the the sea god, Glaucus, who, though he's a god, he's been buffeted about by the waves, and over time, he's been encrusted with barnacles and and seaweed, so that actually he appears more like like a wild beast than a divine being. Now, what's Plato trying to, to say with this? Well, I think when he's describing the god Glaucus, What he's really talking about is the the human soul. That is, what he's saying is that our soul on earth, however good it is, is just never fully real when it's down here and embodied. It just can't ever be a genuine self this way. In other words, the soul bound to a body 
is by that very fact untrue to its own nature. Which is to say that the deeper the soul involves itself in the body and the the material world, the more it defiles itself and distorts its own nature out of all recognition, just like the divine glaucos becomes covered with barnacles. No, the, the soul just cannot be pure, Plato thinks, until it's completely separated from the body. Actually, that seems to be why Socrates, in some way, looks forward to dying. And that's because he thinks that only in death will his soul be free from the, from the distractions of the senses and other sorts of material nonsense and confusions. Anyway, so, so back to Tolstoy. So it seems to me that what impending death does for him is that it solves the problem of this divided self that he thinks marks our nature. That's to say, when we acknowledge our mortality or death, what happens is that our our spiritual side finally finds expression and we begin to see how it is our, our physical or animal self has in some sense poisoned or defiled our life. How it's um covered it up with barnacles. In other words, what the spiritual part reveals to us is that up until now, our life, as we have been living it, hasn't been the best or most ideal one. In fact, that it may have been altogether misguided. And to go back to what I was saying earlier, this new insight is why recognition of death is a rebirth. That's because it enables us to to reboot to transform into that ideal version of ourselves that's all the while lay buried deep within our crust. But now we're getting to what I think is Tolstoy's most important message to us, something that's pretty obvious in the death of Ivan Illich. And it's this. The reason so many of us fear death, including Ivan, is because we fear not having really lived or not having lived properly. So, Ivan's fear of death isn't caused by something like um, like a love of life. You know, it's not because he has this amazingly passionate view of life, and so because of this, he was scared to think of its end. No, that would be something like um, Camus' view, and it's a different view altogether. No, Ivan's fear is caused by something like the realization of a false life. His dislike of death is due to the recognition that he didn't live as he should have. Now that's Tolstoy's great insight. That, well, that the real antidote to fear of death is to live a good life, one without regret. Actually, you know, now that I think about it, the Stoic Seneca said something similar. He said that life becomes considerably more constricted when we don't want to go back to our past and face the kind of person we were and the sorts of things that we did. In other words, the fear of remembering ourselves, having been someone we're not proud of, cuts us off from revisiting our past and therefore shrinks our life. So, well, if we want a life that we can move around in, We need to start to transform into the kind of person we're proud of being. And we need to start building the sort of life that's worth having. That way, we make the past a place we're eager to return to and spend time in. And we make the future, well, a place we await with hopeful anticipation. (laughs) 
listening to The Wisdom of Podcast. If you want to know more about this topic or the podcast in general, visit wisdomofpod.com. And as usual, we love to read your questions and comments. Reach us at info at wisdomofpod.com or on Twitter at wisdom underscore pod. Our next episode. Lao Tzu. Lao Tzu. Lao Tzu. Lao Tzu. Lao Tzu. Thank you.